Hey everybody, I'm Mike McDonald. My buddy Jesse Stratton loves some of the cheesiest movies ever made. He spent years telling me about them all, so now I'm finally watching these movies for the very first time. This is our podcast where we break those movies down together. This is the Celluloid Dumpster Fire. How's it been? It's, it's been pretty good. Good. Too much coffee. Dude, our Facebook community is really taking off. So is the number of listeners. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. A packed crowd of just like six people now <laughs> who listen yeah, to us. I thought it was just going to be me in the basement, like chain smoking. But no, there's, yeah, a couple of people have texted me and they really like it. Oh, that's great. I was thinking the other day if on the off chance that this really takes off and the world gets back to normal one day, we should see about getting a bunch of people together just to watch a crappy movie together. I would love to do that, man. Or we can like get a field or something and like a projector and everybody can just like stand nine feet apart or something. And we just get a b- bunch of like Perel. Yeah, if you guys are listening to this, hit us up on the Facebook page and tell us what you'd like to see once everything gets back to normal. Hell yeah. All right. You ready to jump into this one? Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> dude. Uh, <laughs> take the ride. I love this movie. Uh, I, I grew up watching this movie when I shouldn't have been watching this movie. And I, I really respect the guy that made these movies, Andy Sedaris. He's kind of like a personal hero of mine, ain't gonna lie. We are talking about the 1987 exploitation film from Andy Sedaris, Hard Ticket to Hawaii. This, yeah. movie, this movie was filmed in Hawaii on location at Molokai Ranch and features Hell yeah. four or five Beautiful. Playboy Playmates from 1984 and 1985. Oh, yeah. Uh, those ladies are saints. The film uh, production was a bit of a family affair. It was written and directed by Andy Sedaris. His wife, Arlene, is credited as the producer, his son, Christian, as second assistant director, and his daughter, Alexis, as a wardrobe and costume credit in this movie. Yeah, his whole catalog was like that. Like, it was always like a a family business. And those movies kind of feel like that. Weird family. But yeah, I love him. The guy's, he's got like a great producer's background, too. He's got some legitimate TV directorial credits as well, including Monday Night Football and yeah. uh, ABC Sports. He uh, won an Emmy for the '68 uh, Summer Olympics. Right, he did. Music by this in this movie by Gary Stockdale, who is also responsible for the music in the SpongeBob SquarePants movie and Star Trek Beyond. Awesome. I love the soundtrack, too. It's like, it reminds me of my childhood for some reason. It's kind of a Brian Adams feel to it. Yeah. Just wood paneling everywhere, and it smells like beer. It's just... <laughs> yeah. And like I said, this whole thing was filmed at Molokai Ranch, which is, it's a combination resort, golf course, and cattle ranch that takes up about a third of the island of Molokai, Hawaii. Of course, there's been some... Uh, some controversy with the native Hawaiians and the developers who owned it because prior to the U.S. government seizing Hawaii, the Hawaiian royal family lived in this part of the island. And so they wanted it preserved. And the developers, of course, well, they make money 
by developing stuff. And so they tried to build a couple of resorts and a golf course there on the property. The golf course, I think, is still in operation, though I think recently, like in the last couple of years, they might have shut down everything, including the cattle ranch, but it gives them a lot of wide open space for, for shooting things. It also gives them private beaches for some of the scenes in this movie. Yeah, it's, it's like beautiful scenery. It's beautiful country. It's awesome. All right, so a little bit about the cast. Ron Moss stars as Rowdy Abilene. This same year, he became a regular on The Bold and the Beautiful, a role that he would play for the next 28 years. Yeah, (laughs) immediately went into career soap star. Right, he's done a few other movies, but he made this movie and then I guess did whatever he had to do to get out of making movies like this. I don't know, man. That movie made his career, I think. I think, like, I mean, you can't, like, work for Disney with this, like, on your resume. I don't know, maybe now. Maybe now but, you like, can, yeah. yeah. Rowdy Aveline. Right. Who's the, supposedly, like, the cousin of the guy from the first movie in the series of movies, the, the Malibu Express. Like, every guy, every main action guy in these series of movies are, like, cousins and they're like getting their revenge for like their cousin or something it's this stupid like in joke in these movies yeah it seems like a pretty easy easy uh ploy to to implement yeah then we have donna spear as donna she was miss march 1984 she said in an interview that she was intoxicated throughout the entire filming of this movie and andy and alexis adaris actually helped her get clean and stay clean by continuing to give her movie roles. Yeah, she did like seven or seven of them. Right. She also appeared in Knight Rider, Columbo, Married with Children, and Silk Stockings. Actually, yeah, a bunch of the chicks in this movie like appear in like all kinds of TV shows. Next, we have Hope Marie Carlton as Taryn. She was Miss July 1985, appeared on Nightmare on Elm Street 4, the Stand as Sally Campion. She had roles in Baywatch and Charles in Charge. Most of her TV roles are for parts without names. So she played people like Woman Number One, Woman in Boat, and Nudist Girl. Waitress. Nude Waitress. Yeah. <laughs> these uh, Andy Sidaris movies. She was in a bunch of these too. Yeah, there's like every one of these people, um, the the main folks in this movie were in three or four or five Andy Sedaris films as well. When you've got an audience like he has, uh, that's not a big audience, but it's a loyal audience. You know, you can make one of these movies where you don't have to try too hard and you get a little paycheck. Yeah, it's like Baywatch, but with guns. Then we have Harold Diamond as Jade. Uh, he's best known for Rambo 3 when he was John Rambo's stick-fighting partner. Yeah, uh, he was like a, a like a big uh, Florida kickboxing champion guy, and it got him this movie. And then, yeah, he just he kind of like did action stunt work and stuff. Yeah, he was actually noted as a one of the pioneers of American kickboxing in Florida. He retired in 1983 with a 17-2 and record. Then, like you said, he went to Hollywood, became a stuntman and fight choreographer. Did TV stuff, yeah, movies, all kinds of shit. Rodrigo Obregón as Seth Romero. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, I'm just going to call him Seth. Uh, 
This guy That's appeared fun. in almost every Andy Sedaris film ever made after this one. Yeah, it was it was his good luck charm. It was almost like his trademark. I think Andy Sedaris projected a lot of his own personality in, into the, those guys. Or maybe not this movie, but later on, especially like where uh, Seth or Rodrigo gets a little bit kind of. Uh, he he does star in like every one of his movies. He's always got. He's a ham. He like always becomes like some like background cartoon character. But yeah, he really loved that actor for some reason. And this guy was as over the top as it gets. Oh yeah, uh, every line he delivered, he delivered with maximum intensity, no matter what. I'm going to the kitchen to get a beer he's like the uh the like store brand version of arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> like he he's not as muscular but he's got that same compassion and that like the same kind of acts but yeah. at the same time like this really charming person like when he's not fucking up his scenes he's really charming not movie this movie's a total scumbag but like when he's smiling he, he kind of like gives you this oh, i'm a wacky guy but yeah in this movie he, he he's like seth scumbag then we have cynthia brimhall as Edie. she was miss october 1985 again she did a couple andy sedaris movies and that's about it for her acting credits um, uh she the later ones too like like she left a little bit and then came back i think i remember her like a lot like in uh i don't know magazine like uh, editorial pieces when they talked about andy sedaris she was always there you know to do an interview and we've got uh wolf larson as jimmy john jackson that guy's an asshole <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, i like him in the but like yeah the guy he does his job he's probably best known as for his recurring role as detective chester chase mcdonald in season two of la heat but not much of note beyond that. He, again, would play these no-name parts. He, he was Jimmy John Boy in, like, three of these movies. I know that. He's always, like, the fucking, like, little eat-shit grin guy. And Richard Lepore as Dixon. He was a character actor mostly in the 60s and 70s. Appeared in Ironside, Starsky and Hutch, and Switch. Yeah, I like this guy. I, I always like uh, the look of him. He looks like an R. Crumb caricature. Or something he's definitely got the look for this part there's some uh beach fashion that uh, oh, yeah. isn't really in character for his for his look but you know oh, no. he's total east coast trapped in hawaii it's like uh someone from the set of taxi wandered in like onto the set of this movie and like oh you're playing this part <laughs> so the movie opens up with donna and rowdy on rowdy's yacht and Rowdy's trying to talk Donna out of going to Molokai to work drug enforcement for the agency. We don't actually find out who the agency is. It's just some mysterious government organization. It's vague agency. It could be a couple agencies together. You just don't know. It could be a guy in a closet down the hall. Yeah, it's Charlie's Angels, as far as we know. But she's going to do it. She's going to Molokai to do drug enforcement. The very next scene, we see a couple of Molokai cops show up on a beach. They're going to check out a local family there that they have a small pot growing operation. And they don't want to arrest them. They want to do their bare minimum slap on the wrist and give them a fine and get a little package of weed for myself and head back to the office. Weekly shakedown thing. 
Right. But it doesn't quite turn out that way because the uh, small family operation appears to have been taken over by a much larger operation. I love that shot when it, like, the, the investigator guy's like, oh, shit. And, like, the, the older guy grabs the fat guy and they, like, grab and it does the pan and, like, like this all hell breaking loose. Like, yeah. This operation is, yeah. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's a couple of guys sitting around with a big old truck. And in the same little area, they didn't want, they couldn't spread it out too much. So in this same area, you've got a, a guy digging a hole for some reason, along with other folks carting boxes back and forth and maybe trying to look like they're loading or unloading a truck. But, you know, you could tell they, they tried to make this look like a big operation with the tiny little 15 foot area that they were allowed to shoot in. It's like a damn Where's Waldo picture. There's like two guys on dirt bikes just screwing around a Barbie. <laughs> There's uh, a dude with sunglasses and a machine gun. A uh, fat Hawaiian guy sitting in a van doing nothing. It's, it's crazy. So many hidden in that scene. Uh, I think a guy playing Frisbee with a dog. <laughs> it's so crazy. Go back and watch. It's so crazy. Yeah, there's there's a whole lot going on there. Well, Henry and Bobby, they decide they're going to get the hell out of there. But instead, they get caught in a Scooby-Doo style rope snare and end up hanging upside down from a tree. Yeah. And, well, the Shades pulls out his gun and he, he kills them both. It, it is it's, it's cartoony violence. It's uh, everybody kind of talks like a, a, a gangster in a Bugs Bunny cartoon, but it's it's funny. And it's uh, it's great. It's great stuff. Now we get our opening credits uh, in the warehouse. And, and Jesse, this was probably one of the best made scenes of the entire movie. I want to say that, yeah. It is an awesome, it's like really creative use. And it's really cheap. Yeah, yeah. And it works, and it works the elements that's going to be into the subplot in really well. Yeah. It does. So we just see we see crates going by with these craft paper labels on them, and then the credits in a in a stencil block font, and and it was it was made well. This this is the one thing that he put a lot of money into, and and it works. It's good. He's really good about getting his bank for his buck, though. Yeah, like I think so. That's where his vision comes from. Is like where I'm going to squeeze everything out of this penny to make it look good on screen. Now, in the later ones, it didn't do that. But like in these first four or five, they were great at doing that. And I don't know what the budget was for this one, but I did see the budget on some of his earlier films. And if he spent over $100,000 making this movie, I'd be really, really surprised. If he did, he probably wrote it all off. Man. <laughs> so a crate comes in, Mark Danger, which lets you immediately know something's going to go wrong here. And the forklift driver very carefully uh, breaks the straps off of this box. And we get our first look <laughs> like, at the snake. He couldn't fuck up more on that. I mean, it's so perfect. He doesn't even notice. It. He I think the guy, the forklift driver, is wearing two different kinds of shoes. I don't know if you've ever driven a forklift, Jesse, but I have. You can absolutely break the straps off of a box with a forklift, but you have to be super careful in order to accomplish it. Now, that's what I'm saying. It's like he, it seemed like he nonchalantly just kind of like was using it as like an, an, another hand to like just open it like scissors. Like he was that, it was like, yeah, a surgeon's precision. It's, like if I tried that, I would like 
completely decapitate that box. <laughs> probably flip the uh, whole damn thing over with me in it. And this is where we get our first look at the snake. And at this point, the only thing we know is that this snake has been contaminated somehow. Oh, yeah. I love the reveal on that, too. Yeah. It, it's, it plays like a Scooby-Doo, like, stab or something in the music. <laughs> Next, we see Donna arriving at her beach house. Taryn, who has been out for a run, is complaining about having to work out. She's in the witness protection program, as you're going to hear over and over and over again. And she does she not like staying in shape. Yeah, she plays it off like uh, like she's this Pollyanna getting dragged along into like all this action bullshit. Like right. Home mood. Like, I'm just like the citizen. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, yeah. You know, she's surprisingly proficient for a citizen who's just caught up in all of this. Yeah, I'm calling total bullshit. She's probably like an orphan, you know, and like like from Russia and like she's been like trained since she was like seven. But she's always like, oh, I'm just some like, you know, I'm just some girl. I wouldn't know what the bullshit lady. <laughs> well, they arrive at Molokai Cargo. This is part of their cover for the agency. And two guys load up the snake and cart it off. Dixon informs Donna and Taryn that they're delivering a pair of honeymooners out to a beach. And they're also delivering a snake to a wildlife exhibit. Donna or Taryn, one of them, makes a comment that there are no snakes on the island. Which is kind of true. There are no snakes that are native to Hawaii, but snakes have been imported over the years. And... They're pretty efficient at just absolutely obliterating local bird population. And I, I've seen those crate handlers, man. They're efficient at opening those boxes. So I'm pretty sure there's snakes all over that island. Yeah, that's one of the concerns um, in Hawaii, seriously, is that snakes are killing off birds that are native to the islands and may not exist in other parts of the world. So they put a lot of effort into into controlling that. But so. There's your tiny bit of realism for this movie. There's your nugget of truth behind the giant lie that is the other 95 minutes of this film. I just want to go kill a snake now. <laughs> so Taryn and Donna are inspecting the plane before they take off. And Taryn is once again discussing that she's in the witness protection program with the honeymooners right there next to her to listen to all of this. So yep, my, my question is if you're telling everybody that you're in witness protection, are you really in witness protection at that point? There was a mob guy that was in witness protection and like they, he kept on fucking up and telling people and like, uh, yeah, it pissed like the FBI off. Like I forgot who it was. I probably shouldn't even be talking about him, but like, it kept <laughs> And I remember reading about it in like some magazine somewhere. I was like, this fucking idiot. Next, the plane takes off and we got a whole bunch of scenery shots. It looks like they use love every bit of their B-roll for the scenery shots in this scene. But like, they look great, man. And you know he owns that plane because they use that same Cessna in every one of these damn movies. Yeah, I love these shots and stuff. And it matches really well with the music. Yeah. That whole montage of them getting from the place to the beach scene or whatever, it's it's like a couple of beers and that's like warm and fuzzy. Like, oh, this is like a good, kind of like going to be a good adventure and stuff. This is going to be awesome. Back at the warehouse, Dixon 
finds the bands that were broken off of the snake crate, and he realizes that they loaded the wrong snake onto the plane. This one was supposed to be held for the health department to pick up since it was contaminated with toxins from eating cancer-infested rats. Yeah, man. Who's feeding this snake? I don't know, but they're, they're definitely feeding it laboratory mice or something. I don't know what they're doing there. There was a, a study released uh, several years ago suggesting that GMO corn actually causes cancer in lab rats. And they had to retract that study later on because once they started looking into it, they found out that the rats that they were testing with this GMO corn well, under normal circumstances, 80% of those rats get cancer anyway. Yeah, I think I remember reading that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, rats, get, r- rats get tumors. That's just yeah. part of being a rat. But I don't think it would make a, a snake a killer. But apparently, uh, because this snake has eaten rats with cancer, anything it touches will die. Yeah. This it, it 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 it's pretty much a grim reaper in snake form, right? And you you've seen it a couple of times. There, there's like a reveal scene every time they show the snake crate. He peeks through the crate. It's it's like a goofy ass snake puppet. I mean, it looks, <laughs> but it's yeah, it's totally a goofy puppet. It's way better than like a, a like a sock on a hand. I'll give them that. It's a great puppet, but it, it's like you know they got like slime on it. And it looks weird in the light, and they get this. Yeah, it's a it's a sweaty snake. Yeah, snakes aren't <laughs> like that. And it's like it's got hiss every time it's on screen. That uh, I I love. I get a kick out every time they go. <laughs> I don't know if they pick up, but yeah, it's funny. Well, Donna and Taryn drop the honeymooners off on their private island, and in the next scene, we see Mister Chang. Mister Chang is modeled after the classic James Bond villain. It's, I mean, uh, he's he's Goldfinger. Goldfinger, yeah, and, he, and all those Spectre guys, you know, the a really weird last name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a a chubby, balding man, white man with a British accent named Chang. We'll hear the reason for that near later on, but he's got a toy helicopter uh, that's pretty cool. Oh um, yeah, no, that's a trademark to the series. They always have to have cool RC. Cars, boats, and helicopters. And this time it is, you know, one of those RC helicopters, you know, the alcohol engine, alcohol burners that I thought were awesome in the 70s. And I wanted one so bad. And it's probably a good thing I didn't get one because they're super expensive and I would have crashed it into the side of the house. But they're delivering tiny little briefcases in this RC helicopter. Dude, those are the cutest little, like, professional <laughs> briefcases in the world. Yeah. It looks like hamster briefcases or some shit. <laughs> and they get dropped off on a beach on a golf course, like, you know, an airwolf, like a tiny airwolf just comes out of heaven, just, like, lands in the middle of this golf yeah. course. Yeah. Oh, and the, and the door opens up, like, on, a, like, a engine or something like yeah that was a nice brain. touch that they can yeah. they can remotely open and close the doors on the helicopter <laughs> it is tricked out man well this helicopter chases donna and taryn down or at least that's what they feels like to them but it lands there and they take the briefcases out these are 
think deal or no deal briefcases, but Lego sized. One eighteenth scale of, of an actual briefcase, so it's small. Yeah, it's tiny. Well, as soon as they get the briefcases out of the helicopters, that's when the gunmen show up. It's some. It's a couple of those guys that were at that weed farm. They just like pop out of nowhere. They're supposed to be meeting the helicopter and collecting the the little tiny briefcases, but instead Donna and Taryn beat them to it. They take a couple shots at them. So Taryn has nunchucks from somewhere. And she throws them at the guy. Yeah, like that's what you do. <laughs> no, no, Bruce Lee swinging these things around like a like a bludgeon or anything. No, just throw them at the guy. I'm telling you, man, I haven't had training. I've had friends have like you know done this stuff, and that's like the first thing they teach you is to throw those suckers hard as you can. Yeah, because even if you don't hit the guy, then at least you don't have a weapon anymore. So that's. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's a lot better. I, cause like, uh, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spoil the end of the movie, but like, <laughs> yeah, she just, she chucks the chucks. Donna pulls a throwing star out of her boot and she hits the other guy in the chest. At least, you know, a throwing star has got throwing in its name. So you assume that you're supposed to do that. Well, she's got training probably. So they recover their weapons and then they, both of the gunmen are down. One got hit in the head with the nunchuck. So of course he's out. The other one got stabbed in the chest with the throwing star. So they're both laying on the ground and Donna and Taryn very casually walk over and collect their weapons and then run like hell for the helicopter for the their airplane and they get out of there. Yeah, they'd probably be better off in a helicopter. But yeah, they'd have to get in that plane, start the plane, get off on the runway and shit. So yeah, they knock those guards out. And then so like they just disappear. They bounce. Yeah. And the guards come too, and then they're like, oh, the helicopter they go to that miniature helicopter and bam those little suitcases are gone like yep. i don't remember the girls grabbing them they maybe it was like quick i don't know the guard the guards just like surprise and like the next thing you know they're fighting so but yeah but it did show them ta uh taryn taking them both out of the helicopter and then uh we did see donna drop one of them okay in the, in the grass but i don't know apparently she held on to, to, to one of them. Yeah, okay. They get away. Now, you mentioned that this helicopter was chasing them along a golf course, which is, I'm, I'm glad you noted that because in the very next scene, Donna and Taryn are landing their helicopter on the fairway of a golf course. Yeah, the airplane. Yeah, landing the airplane on the golf course. Yeah, you could totally tell because everything on this island is like the grass is well maintained well and you can see a putting green and a couple of sand pits in the background too always yeah like almost in every yeah. shot there's like a walkway yeah. there is a, a golf course that was open to the public on molokai ranch so they were probably filming it all there uh, the the land the plane the remove unload the snake. the snake they're starting to read what they're calling the care and feeding manual which is one of those troll book club books about boa constrictors at least they got it right yeah they had a book it had a snake on the cover and got to give them that much credit i mean because like usually like you you lose those manuals i don't like that show where william cat like he had that super suit and he lost a manual or like <laughs> he you get a radio a stereo system or like a microwave you got to replace a part washing machines are the worst but yeah, they got a manual to feed the snake. 
and they're just like casually reading that. I thought when I saw this, they were delivering this snake to where it was supposed to go, but that's not at all what they're doing. They're just storing the snake in the hangar at Donna's house. I don't yeah. know why they didn't try to deliver it. I guess because if they had, the snake wouldn't be in the hangar later on when it's needed. But they've just been shot at, so Donna needs to get in the hot tub. Immediately. Immediately. Gotta get in the hot tub. I do my best thinking in the jacuzzi. So they're headed for the hot tub. This movie is like weird. It's like uh, they just segue. It's like, oh, we're just gonna get a hot tub. I gotta go change clothes. And it just like immediately segues into like an awkward uh, nude scene. Yeah. Quick, quick cut with small teasers of the next scene. Right. Weird framing of a breast. Uh, quick cut to something that's going on in another town or something or another city or another uh, building. And then quick cut to the chick like in a shower. Quick cut. And it's really weird the way they pace this movie back and forth like that. But, uh, you know, I guess that's padding out a film with nudity. Right. I mean, it's Andy Sedaris. So you've yeah. got to oh, yeah. you've got to. Start with all your nude scenes and then try to build a movie around it. Spoilers. Uh, I didn't know if he said it top. There's a lot of tits. In there. <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of go with it. It's tastefully done. You know, they, they don't like focus on it. It's like a quick, oh, hey. And then like, you know, to the next scene. It's very gratuitous, but it's not, you know, pornographic. Yeah. Uh, and with the music and stuff, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know, it puts you to sleep really careful yeah so uh it keeps on going she's gonna go to the hot tub and it keeps on going to this uh hotel place right it goes to Edie's, which is kind of a resort restaurant bar kind of place and this Beat is where bro. we see andy sedaris himself as whitey <laughs> yeah he's apparently a lecherous director and an actress that he's trying to to sign to a deal is not having any part of it today yeah, baby cakes. She shows up in a couple of these movies. She's a returning character. Yeah, he's 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 scum. He's he's like a real he's a he's like a real Harvey Weinstein kind of. But he comes Definitely. off like charm of like the little Italian cook from Lady and the Tramp. He's definitely wanna... got a very comic comic vibe to him. But yeah. yeah, he's trash, and so is the host at the restaurant, Ashley. He's he's just absolute garbage. The guy up front. With the the with his collar up, yeah, yeah, he's a dickhead. I know they. Uh, <laughs> Andy Sedaris, he's totally not like that. He's like a real nice dude, and uh, he's like a feminist and stuff. But like in these movies, he's playing a slime ball. Like he's right. really that shit up. And a lot of the characters in this movie, or in all his movies, are played with kind of a like cartoon esque over the top thing to him. Also at this restaurant is Seth Romero. He's trying to have lunch, and the two gunmen from earlier, the ones who were supposed to retrieve his cargo, they have to come tell him that uh, they don't have it. Uh, this Seth guy is great in this movie. He's great in all these movies. I love this guy. He looks like just, I don't know. In this movie, he looks like in Punch-Out, the original Punch-Out, there was a guy called Mr. Dream who looked like like a white Mike Tyson. He looked like uh, Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger what this guy looks like so back in the hot tub donna and taryn actually open up one of the tiny briefcases and discover inside a bag full of cut diamonds teeny tiny diamonds 
Yeah, this is the cargo that Seth was waiting for. And since these two guys couldn't get it, he's going to send somebody else to take care of it. Next thing we see is Rowdy and Jade practicing their kickboxing on Rowdy's boat and making stupid kung fu sound effects. <laughs> Didn't age well. <laughs> they they do the fortune cookie joke and uh, yeah, they, they, you know, the whole humor in this movie and a lot of their one-liners and shit they're they're pretty much lame dad jokes right and they're not really meant to be offensive but yeah some of them are kind of like Ugh. but yeah no they're they're funny especially i like what's his name jade yeah. later on he's great like kind of like chevy chase one-liners where you're like man get that at you know write that down they're meant to be super cheesy and that's exactly what they are but some of that stuff, people look sideways at you for saying those things. So be beware if you watch it. There, there's some potentially offensive Asian humor in there. They then they uh, they start getting a uh, an appetite from working out. And yeah, like sushi guy shows up on his motorcycle with their lunch, which is a foam clamshell carton with just a white bread sandwich in it. Nasty white bread sandwich. They Nasty don't even have white to eat. No meat. Instead, there's a note. Um, uh, it's a note from the agency. A note from the agency. It's the equivalent of the Mr. Phelps tape. Your mission. Yeah. Apparently, they've got some work to do. They don't tell us what the note says, and they immediately burn the note, but yeah. put it back in the sandwich before burning it. I don't get that part. But no, actually, I love that. That See, that's the cartoon stuff. That reminds me of, like, because they... <laughs> They did the same thing to Inspector Gadget, right? And Inspector Gadget would like throw it, throw the note away, and forget about it. And like it would, and then it would like, explode. Dog. Yeah, like the dog always get blew up. So like them just putting it in the sandwich, and they're putting the sandwich back in the container, <laughs> and it's exploding like just. Oof. And I'm like, that sandwich is flammable. <laughs> yeah, like, it's good a... thing they didn't eat it. It's a flash paper note. It goes up real fast, but they got to stick it back in the sandwich to do it. <laughs> it was awesome. It was funny. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So later that evening, Donna and Taryn are discussing Rowdy's wiener. Um, <laughs> yeah. So more cheesy Girl jokes talk. there. More cheesy jokes there. I mean, it can't be all one-sided. The guy's got to oh, get no, some in there, everybody's, too. Yeah. Everybody. Andy Sedaris is an equal opportunity offender. Oh, yeah. Uh, Taryn decides to hide the diamonds in the freezer and somebody cuts the phone lines, comes into the house and attacks Taryn. These are the other thugs that Seth sent to recover the diamonds. And there's more nunchucks. Surprise. Yeah. Another chick with nunchucks. And uh, they're both wearing like, yeah, one's a chick, one's a dude. And they're in like, uh, they got pantyhose. It's a classic, like, you know, skater punk pantyhose. Right. All in black. And they're like, yo, where's the diamonds? Yo, give me, where's the diamonds? You know, and the other one's like chasing the chick out in the yard. And, yeah, Donna um, tells one of them, tells the guy that the diamonds are out in the hangar. So he takes her out there. This was just a ploy to get out of the house. But when he realizes they're not in the hangar, they scuffle and he knocks over the box with the snake in it. So the snake gets out. Dun, dun, dun. Again, why didn't, why didn't they just deliver the thing? Because movie, man, because that's what you do. Taryn gives up the diamonds in the freezer. Outside, Seth 
is waiting outside the car for his folks to bring him the diamonds. And he sees the snake and it scares the crap out of him. Oh, man. Okay. He's, he gets out because like he hears Donna running back in the house screaming, right? And he's like, what the hell? You know, what's taking so long? And so like he gets out of the car and he sees the airplane and he sees the snake's head come up over the airplane's like wheel. He sees that shit from like that far and it freaks the shit out. He just pulls his gun out. And just starts shooting off madly at the snake. Just shooting it's everything so but the snake. Yeah, it's like, bam, bam, bam. His reaction to that snake is hilarious. So his thugs run out there, and they all jump in the car. But not before Donna shoots Seth in the face. They get him right. in the car, and they yeah. take off. And the snake also takes off across the yard. Now, as they're running out of the house, one of the goons trips over a, a cover and uncovers a vent to the septic tank. Yeah, foreshadowing. Yeah, like uh, in-your-face foreshadowing, but foreshadowing. There's nothing like, subtle about this movie anyway. Oh, yeah. Seth wouldn't have got shot in the face if that goon hadn't a trip. And then, like, they wouldn't have came out uh, and, you know, all panicked like that and tripped if he hadn't shot off at that snake. If he just uh, stayed in the car and just been cool, they'd have had the diamonds, been in the car, you know, but no, he had to punk out, shoot at Snake, air the goon, and set off this whole train of event with the septic. Well, Dixon has been trying to get in touch with Donna this whole time, and finally they hear him on the radio. Dixon explains the snake's been contaminated and will kill anything it touches. Donna lets him know that they've lost the snake. Yeah, you lost it? What do you mean you lost it? So the snake's gone. Dixon's going to try to get the health department on the case and see if they can recover the snake. Then we go back to Edie's. Edie has a gigantic bartender. Like the woman is massively tall. I like uh, the time you go into Edie's too. There's like these like witty little like background banter, like little in jokes and stuff back there. I don't know. I've I've watched this movie so many times. Like there's like all these like little kitschy jokes in the background of these right. uh, restaurant scenes. Well, Edie's hugely tall bartender can listen into any phone call by sticking a suction cup on the side of the telephone. And this is what I didn't get here. I mean, I understand what they're going for here. And there was at one time a, a microphone that you could use to record phone calls, but you had to stick it to the, the handset of the telephone yeah. While you were while you were on. But she's not even taking the handset off. She's just sticking this to the side of the telephone. She's got a wired bug, but she has a wireless earphone, apparently. Just an assumption that you'll see what she's doing and understand what's going on. Nefarious shit is afoot. Yes. Hey, everybody. Mike McDonald here. I just wanted to take a minute to tell you about our Patreon, where you can support this podcast for as little as $1 per episode. And when you make a pledge at any level, that money allows us to make donations to film schools all across the country. It's our way of giving a little something back to the great people who make the movies we enjoy so much. So go to patreon.com slash cdfpod and join at any level. No matter which level you choose, we think you're awesome for supporting the filmmakers of tomorrow. Patreon.com slash CDFpod. Fell wouldn't sue him. Please don't but, sue us, NFL, for saying Pro Bowl. I don't even know what a Pro Bowl Like, my idea of a Pro Bowl <laughs> is completely different from your idea of a Pro Bowl. But please don't sue us. So that's probably what that was about. 
But yeah, he's kind of like this sportscaster guy. He's a California dude. He's got golden hair, big teeth, laughs a lot, talks about vitamins and shit and girls. Yeah, he's he's SoCal sports guy. He reminds me of that redheaded, freckle-faced kid from Pinocchio, but with blonde hair. He's really obnoxious and shit. And for the third time today, Taryn has to tell somebody that she's in witness protection. That's crazy. It, Get it out is. of here. No way, girlfriend. <laughs> she's really bad at that. She, she is. Taryn ends up spending the night on the beach with Jimmy John. Meanwhile, Rowdy and Jade arrive in Hawaii next morning. Edie's left a Jeep there for them. Yeah. She has a lot of Jeeps. Like, she did the same thing when, uh, like, Donna and Chick came on out. It's like, here's a Jeep. Meet me at my restaurant. But, uh, yeah, uh, Jade and Rowdy, they get in the Jeep, and they start driving down the road. And I love that joke that uh, Jade uh, tells Rowdy about his wife. Oh, yeah. Yeah, his wife used to mow the lawn completely naked. Rowdy asks, well, what'd your neighbors say? And Jade says, they thought I married her for her money. <laughs> Did you? I, I, I'm terrible at telling jokes, man. But yeah, yeah. it's funny. It, it, it made me laugh out loud. Yeah, they got some cornball jokes. They're funny. <laughs> well, they see a guy on a skateboard coming Nuck down it. the road towards him. Yeah, on a handstand, doing a handstand. Yeah, He's doing like a, a handstand yeah. on the skateboard. Coming down the road. And he just goes right past him. And you might recognize the guy as you see him. He's he's one of the gunmen that was shooting at Donna and Taryn earlier. I'm pretty sure he was in the background at the weed farm when everybody was working at the weed farm, too. Yeah, he definitely was. Him and the and the big Hawaiian guy both were. Big Hawaiian guy is funny. I've seen him a bunch of shit. I can't remember it. Like one of those guys, you know. He's hilarious. He is. Once he gets past Jade and Rowdy, he hops in the car with the big Hawaiian guy and a blow-up doll. Uh, I don't know yeah, why the blow-up doll is there. It's like a little Jeep or something, and the blow-up doll is in the shotgun. Yeah. And he handstands up to the Jeep, like cartwheels off, and just jumps in the back. It's like, go, man, go, go. So they're chasing down Rowdy and Jade, and, and they just blow right past him to get ahead of them. Why they didn't get ahead of, stay ahead of them in the beginning, don't know, other than we wouldn't have got to see the guy do a handstand on the skateboard. Yeah, it's, I guess just to say, hey, check me out. Uh, welcome, why? Uh, this is where we get crazy, you know? Yeah. It's pretty much that. So once they get past, the skateboard guy gets, gets out of the truck, and the Hawaiian guy hands him the blow-up doll and a shotgun. And he heads back down the hill toward uh, Rowdy and Jade. Yeah, on a skateboard. He's uh, kind of like using the blow-up doll as a human shield to hide, kind of hide the gun. Right. And just starts like just cruising, like just rolling up to the, the other Jeep. Yeah, and he takes a shot at him as they go by. And he ends up hitting Jade, kind of. But he also like, shoots the back tire of the uh, Jeep or something and and really messes it up. Yeah. I didn't know if it was like the tire or if it like maybe he got up into the engine or something. But yeah, it totally fucks the Jeep up, kind of fucks Jade up. Like, wait, it gets his shoulder kind of bad. It goes like in and out. So they're not having any of this. They're going to take this guy out. Jade throws the Jeep into reverse 
The skateboard guy is spinning in circles in the middle of the road. I completely lost it at this point. Oh, uh, God. They run into the skateboard guy, which sends him and the blow-up doll flying into the air. They jack up like the damn jack-in-the-box. It's straight up. Not like like <laughs> if you hit somebody with a car, there's inertia. The person go, this like hits them, and they just go boing, 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 straight up in the air, like 20 feet in the air. And then Rowdy shoots the skateboard guy and the blow-up doll with a rocket launcher. Two shots, back-to-back. Back. No and scope. they both blow up in huge, gigantic fireballs. Awesome fireballs. <laughs> and then uh, Rowdy has the, uh, or no, like, Jade's like, man, why'd you use bazooka? And Rowdy goes with his, uh, it's the only thing I could use to hit a moving target. <laughs> and it's like, these motherfuckers are just having fun. <laughs> That's all they're doing. They just like to blow stuff up, and, and well, this is an opportunity to blow stuff up. He's got a license to carry a bazooka, apparently, because they do this all the time. Next, we cut back out to the beat. We see the honeymooners out there taking pictures with their Polaroid Instamatic. Uh, it's all sweet, you know, and they're like, oh, honey, get stand this way. And she's like all seductive, and they got the Polaroid. And the guy's like, no, no, uh, arch your back a little bit more, a little more. And then, booyah, jump scare snake, like right in the face. Right in the face. Yeah, it bites his cheek and just like it's, it's fun. <laughs> so that's the end of the honeymooners, probably. And then it goes to uh, Jake and Rowdy finally at the hospital. Uh, yeah, Jade's been like, patched up at the hospital. It was a different time. They wouldn't necessarily call the police for a gunshot wound. They got him all patched up and he's ready to go, except the Jeep is dead. So. They're going to pick up all of their luggage and just walk to the restaurant from here. Why not? It's a beautiful, you know, weather's nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they they do have one guy with a shoulder and like a, like, you know, like a carry-all trunk and stuff. But that's okay because they got a rocket launcher. They can blow some stuff up for entertainment along the way. Rowdy just goes around <laughs> with that thing strapped on his back. Like, he does. I bet he showers with that. I bet he, sh he showers. <laughs> So Edie is wondering why Jade and Rowdy haven't shown up yet. So she's going to go pick them up. Oh, she's, she was going to pick them up at the hospital, wasn't she? Yeah, I'll know. Yeah, I get confused there, too, because she says, I'm going to go pick them up. And like Barton's like, all right, girlfriend. And then she goes immediately and starts getting naked. Yeah, she well, she's got to change clothes. She can't go in the same clothes that she was at work. She's wearing like a nice professional, like, bar matron's dress or something is, or I don't know like a nice professional woman's dress and then she goes and starts stripping naked and puts like on these like really low cut mom jeans right and then like a, like a half top with like under boob like yeah. completely unprofessional shit and then she starts skipping out of her restaurant like a teenage girl it's, she's it's headed weird. to the hospital to pick up Jade and Rowdy well the bartender when he hears this or she hears this Makes a phone call to Kimo and Rosie, who uh, turns out those were the thugs that with the pantyhose over their head earlier. Yeah, rock thugs, yeah. Rosie girl, come pick me up. Oh, then the bartender starts stripping naked, and that's when we find out this woman is actually a bald man. It's a man, man. Yeah, a bald uh, man, too. So bald. It's awkward, because, like, um, Michael, that's, that's the hitman's name, Michael. Right runs immediately after she sees chick leave goes to the changing room 
in the changing room, there's another chick getting naked, and then she makes some like joke about keep your tits up, and uh, Michael's like, yeah, girl, thanks for the tip. That really helped me out. Yeah, and then give me the, <laughs> the wig off, and it was kind of like when uh, David Bowie, because dude kind of looks like David Bowie a little it, bit. It yeah, like when I think David it's Bowie just that there's so much makeup. Yeah, that too. The eyes. There's like a like a weird like palette ch- choice for that. Yeah, but like he just rips it off, and like then starts like just smearing makeup off, and like just trying to quick change, takes the bra off, does the whole nine yards, and then you cut to the van, and then it's this dude who looks like. I, I'm going to go in another, uh, it looks like Brian Eno, like another British rock guy. Yeah. Like he's just bald head, long, creepy hair, like Brian Eno or the, uh, the butler from Rocky Horror Picture Show. looks like that guy. And, uh, he jumps in the van and they're off. They, they're like, you know, cut, cut down the bypass. We're going to get out on the highway. We're going to get right behind. Him. Yeah. They're trying to head off Edie so that she can't pick up Jade and, and Rowdy and they run her off the road. And drag her into the van, and then they're gone. Booyah. Next, Donna and Taryn are headed out to the island where the cops were killed, and they're going to try to investigate Seth Romero's operation out there. They see that Seth now has Edie held captive. Yeah, this weird scene, like, all right, they, they see this guy, or they see this chick, and she's jogging, and then they see this guy playing Frisbee with her. Right. Then a helicopter comes down. And uh, this is so funny. Uh, immediately, Donna's like, I think I recognize that guy smoking that cigarette way the fuck over there. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, what? And they're like, oh, no, they got eat. Right. Hey, let me see your camera. And the camera that they got is like one of these handheld cameras that you would win on like supermarket sweep or something. Yeah. It's a toy. No way they could zoom in that far. But yeah, they see. Seth and his goons, they see Edie, uh, they see Michael, they see the whole thing happening, and they, they're like, ah, shit, we got to get a plan now, you know? Yeah. Well, they take off because the phone lines were cut at their house, so they can't go back to their house and call Jade and Rowdy. They've got to find a payphone somewhere. So they end up at a sumo school. Taryn is convinced that she can communicate with these people. There's no indication that they don't speak English. Yeah. But she's going to assume that because they're sumo wrestlers, they can't. So she tries to speak to them in horrible, horrible Spanish. Well, Donna just yeah. walks over and puts money in the payphone and makes the phone yeah. call. I didn't I didn't get that joke at all. She's all right, she's speaking Spanish in a really, really horrible, like racist Asian accent. Right. That'll work with like one white guy and one uh like Samoan guy like uh just like you know an islander yeah like toe tone death and then yeah like donna's like this is bullshit and she just comes up and like bing you know calls up 80 right they, they yeah, call she, it the restaurant she, well she called the restaurant and left uh left a message for Edie. i think she talked to ashley the pervy host guy and yeah. left a message for Edie. Well, then they go to pick up the honeymooners because, well, we've got a, an important, our friend just got kidnapped. So let's go wrap up a loose end first before we do anything else. Well, yeah, I mean, it's probably time. Plus, you know, they're supposed to be like kind of like taking care of those people. You know, they took them out there to that private beach. They got to kind of be responsible. Right. Insurance reasons. Except it's too late for them to be responsible for them because they've both been ripped apart by the snake. That scene is funny as shit, dude. 
they just like walking through and then like they just mutilate corpses and like both girls horror movie scream. Right. And then they walk, they're like, oh my God, we got to find the husband now. You know, and they're like, they, they call his name and I'm like, you know, he's dead girl. Yeah. We try to do that. And then like, yeah, they find the corpse and they find the camera. And then when they pick up the camera, the photo comes out and like, un- like this was stuck in there or something. Yeah. It, yeah, the photo out. comes out and it develops, and it's a snake, totally photobombing. Biggest snake shitting grin that you can imagine on a snake puppet. It was doing it. It was totally cheesing <laughs> it. So the honeymooners are both dead. The snake killed both of them. The snake's hiding in the grass watching both of these girls. Yeah, uh, laugh ass off like that dog yeah. from Duck. He's just, <laughs> they, they, they can't know I'm down here. Yeah. <laughs> Next, we see Jimmy John talking to two football players, asking about a, a particularly notable play that took place. And he said, How'd you call that play? And then we hear some of the most racist name uh, play calling ever going out on live TV. Yeah, I didn't know how to bring this up or describe this skit, but whoever watches the movie, I call this the, the Billy Blue Shoes bit. And yeah. if you're like, have you ever watched like bloopers of like live TV or like people calling in to CNN like four o'clock in the morning and just like the cuss? This is like one of those moments. Imagine like that on like ABC Sports. It's right. I, I, I mean, I, I watch that shit on you. I watch like those, you know, <laughs> access videos where they just call in and like just say crazy shit. But this is great. This is like classic. Whitey and Jimmy John are both convinced they're going to get fired over this, and, and rightly so. They should be fired for this. Yeah, those football uh, players. Why they hair. didn't have a, a seven-second delay is beyond me. So, yeah. Back at Donna's house, Jade and Rowdy have arrived, and we see the snake heading into the septic tank. It's, it seems like they use that shot a couple of times, like it's weird. And that editing. Yeah, we but, I mean uh, we see the snake heading toward it and there's some conversation. Let's and then see. he's got his head in it and then it's not, and then he's all the way in, you know, you see the tail go down or something. But yeah, it's like Right. Right. We see Jade and Rowdy are at Donna's house and they're starting to tell him about the stuff, and then we see the snake headed toward the septic tank and his head goes in. And then we see uh, over at Seth's, they're starting to question Edie. And then we see the rest of the snake going in. And then Donna wanders off with Rowdy because she's got to show him some video. Yeah, man, of the Frisbee boy and uh, the the helicopter. And I don't think they ever watched the video, though. They watched like five seconds of it, Mike. Okay. There was a Netflix and chill moment. She just wanted to press play and like go, you know, roll around in the hay or something. I don't know. They didn't but, yeah. get to the flicks part of Netflix. They just went. Yeah. Uh, they just went straight to chill. I don't know. It was really awkward. It it made me feel awkward. Like it's like this is like just weird. And then like uh, that that yell that he does. Is, it I was it was basically some soft core porn. I don't know if that guy knows how anatomy works. No, no, because that was like her belly button, man. <laughs> oh and we also have the bodybuilder with the nunchucks more nunchucks yeah uh this bodybuilder chick i'm pretty sure is the chick that had the ski mask on early in the movie probably i think but, so 
yeah the the sex scene the joke of taryn and jade listening to the sex scene and yeah. this weird chick with nunchucks it's all intercut with the snake going into the tube so it's it's kind of like a music video at this scene this that is said, a duran duran video yeah they do that like three times throughout the movie and it makes following the plot a little hard but right it's not part of a movie they just try to make it appear like they're doing something you know now, at this point, Mr. Chang is calling for Seth. He wants more pot delivered. He also orders Seth to kill all of the DEA agents. It's like also like you don't get you don't get compensated for the diamonds that you lost on the drop. I don't think he mentions that the diamonds got lost. Oh, really? I think that's just something he's taking care of himself. That's, um, cause that's why that's when like he's like, what do you mean the diamonds? And he's like, he's like, well, I want everybody killed then, you know. That's when he yeah. likes, like, I want everybody wiped out. Yeah. So next up is the obligatory go into war sequence where we see the entire gang loading weapons. Lock and loaded montage. This is yeah. awesome. Including uh, a Frisbee lined with razor blades. That's what I love about this. these movies. They use stuff like uh, the bazookas, you know, inflatable uh, sex dolls as shields, human shields, helicopters with explosives and crap. I just love it. Now we're out on the beach with the Frisbee guards at Seth's place. Yeah. So a woman in a bikini, a man with a machine gun playing Frisbee casually on the beach. Who will ever be suspicious of that? Rowdy. Uh, Rowdy comes up. He surfs up. Uh, he, he, he befriends Frisbee girl. He's like, hey, hey, how's it going, baby? It's like, oh, no, what's up? And he's like, hey, I, I got this Frisbee. And she's like, oh, come on. You know, I know this guy. He loves Frisbee. Down. You know, they go. And, like, they get up there, and then, like, the guy with the machine gun is like, who is this guy? He ain't cool. And he's like, oh, no, he's cool. Check him out. He's got a professional Frisbee. And he shows him, like, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you think you, you're tough in me? Right. Like, this, guy, this guy with the shades on is so uptight about Frisbee that, like, any kind of, like, you know, questioning of his manhood and Frisbee, them, he's, like, immediately, he won't put the machine gun down. He will not he will put it down. Ass. He will yeah. whoop your ass Frisbee. Yeah, definitely. So a frisbee off ensues. I'm surprised they didn't have music for this one. <laughs> I wanted that. I want. They should be like, yeah. you got that song from Top Gun when they're playing like a, volleyball. Yeah, like a Karate Kid uh, frisbee montage. montage yeah. Hell yeah! <laughs> like they really got down playing yeah. frisbee. What happens happens. So like, yeah. uh, he throws it if intentionally way the fuck off, right? And so then he tells the chick, it's like, hey, get out of here. Like, just get out of here, you know, get. Right. Yeah, he sends her off, and then he pulls out a black Frisbee and throws it, and when Shades throws it back to him, he very casually swaps it out for the razor blade Frisbee, and boy, he slings this one. Watches that sucker. He does, and when it gets to Shades, it slices through his fingers and right into his neck, and Shades is down. Man, the way he has... It, like he has the, his hand right up as you know the establishing shot yeah of his hand in his face and then when the camera cuts behind him to show the gore shot and stuff it's so funny it's just uh, uh, <laughs> little yeah. bitty finger slowly falling off in slow motion uh, the blood's pumping out it's so funny it's a great shot I was wondering how they were going to do that and, and do it well and so the camera was on his hand for 
just the briefest instant. And from then, you never see his fingers again. They're always hidden under the Frisbee. They did that pretty well. Yeah, he holds the Frisbee up. Because we've like seen these movies where a body part gets cut off and you, you see it just a few seconds later. Yeah. Now, they, they, I mean, the production value on this one and like the first one, this one, and the next two are great. Like, yeah. all and shit, all this stuff's great. Uh, later on, like the late 90s and stuff, that's when the, the budget started getting lower and his health started getting out and shit. But yeah, right. all those movies are great. This one, especially, is my favorite. So, with uh, Shades Down, Rowdy goes ahead and calls the rest of the gang to come in. We got Donna in an ultralight aircraft dropping grenades. Uh, that is so badass. It feels like a video game. Taryn, Rowdy, and Jade are all in the Jeep with the rocket launcher. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and the shootout at Seth's place begins. This is a hard scene. It's just guy pops out on... It, it is like a video. A guy pipe, pops out on porch. So... With like a and here's the thing with that one, Jesse. Taryn's been throwing grenades. Stuff is exploding, and this guy could not walk out any more casually. Yeah. It's like just like a pissed off dad gonna like yell at the neighbors about like having the music up too loud or something. Yeah. Or or that guy that security guard uh, that's happening on the other side of the fence. My job's this side of the fence. I don't care about that. Well, yeah, it's inside the yard, so that's your that's Tony in, in, inside. He's right. yard duty. Yeah, I got the porch. Tony's got the yard. I'm on my cigarette break anyway. So we got Jade and Rowdy hiding behind the Jeep shooting at this guy. And, of course, Rowdy can't hit anything with a gun. And this guy's anything shooting the Jeep. Does. And, I mean, I get it. You don't want to shoot holes in somebody's car. And they probably didn't go rent cars for this. This is probably personal vehicle but you know these gunshot holes in the car that appear you can see the duct tape peeled back in a star pattern from where from where they hit it yeah it's all squibs and shit it's, they did a pretty good job on it though yeah it's fun i like when they're like just shooting at mason work and but the like the the, the ground around the mason work explodes right or something like bing and like you hear it like <laughs> But it's like the dirt kicked up. After Rowdy gets four or five shots off at this guy, Jade's had enough. He takes one shot and takes the guy out and gives Rowdy some crap about not practicing enough. Yeah, that guy's pretty much useless. It's about as about as useful as uh, that chick with the nunchucks earlier. Like he, he really can't shoot unless it's a bazooka. Terran's trying to sneak in the back. Jade and Rowdy split up. One of them goes in the front door. One of them goes in the side door. Now, as Rowdy busts in this side door, you see Jade and the karate guy just kind of hanging out. And as yeah. soon as he busts through the door, they take fighting poses. <laughs> yeah, it's like they miss their mark. And they're like, they're like, either it's they miss their mark or it's bad editing when they were putting that scene together. But I think it was they fucked up on their mark. I think so. Like, I think they were supposed to be in position and blew it. Yeah, but. You know, hey, it's still great. It it works. It makes the movie even better. And Taryn is in a shootout with Michael slash Michelle. Bartender chick. That's still going on on the outside. And then, like, yeah, they got the guys on the inside with the one ninja guy. I'm yep. trying to do a bot, like all the bad guys. Jade continues to fight while Rowdy goes and finds Edie. I thought she was tied up with that ninja in that room. 
Well, she was tied up in the room. Rowdy comes in and sees her and she motions over. There's another guy in there and he's coming around as he sneaks out into the open. Rowdy shoots him with the rocket launcher. That's right. There's a hidden guy with the gun and he's going to sneak out. Yeah. 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 Rowdy blasts him right out through the window with the rocket launcher. Oh, man. He loves that rocket launcher. Now, if you're a skateboarder flying through the air, uh, the rocket launcher will turn you into a giant fireball. But if you're a sneaky guy inside the house, it just throws you out through the window. Oh, it probably had the silencer on. Okay. Indoors, you know, you don't want to like shoot that off, you know. You so Jade and the karate guy have broken out the weapons now. Karate guy's got a knife and Jade has some Wolverine claws or something, but he he takes out the karate guy at this point. Taryn takes out Michael, just shoots him on the back patio. Some some of them get away in a helicopter. Yeah, the the girl that had the pantyhose on her head, uh, her and her partner. And the Hawaiian guy, they all try to head for the helicopter to get away. That's um, right. Everybody has come out of the house at this point, and Donna has taken Rowdy's rocket launcher, and she blows up the helicopter as they're getting away. Oh, uh, yeah. That was awesome. That was a great shot. Uh, they, they, the, the joke right there, uh, someone says something about something, and it was like a line, and then Donna immediately uh, yells at him for making jokes. She's like the den mother, like especially like later on in the series. Like she's like the, you know, the one that keeps the team together, which is kind of weird because it started off as like all the these dudes that were secret agents, and then she became like the the mother hen or something. She's like, wow, we, you know, this could be real life. You know, this, this isn't a game. And Taryn's like, but I, don't yeah. know, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, she's upset with Taryn because Taryn still thinks this is a, a James Bond movie and yeah. doesn't actually realize that she was. The whole movie, she's like comparing her, how she wants to be like James Bond. And right. How it's so awesome. He just goes around having sex and shooting bad guys. So the fight's over. Donna's going to take the ultralight and fly back to her house. And the rest of them confiscate a Scooby-Doo van with a motorcycle in the back of it. Yeah, because their um, Jeep's fucked. Right. Their Jeep is not going to make it anyway. Not with two holes in the hood. Mm-mm. And, well, it's got a flat tire. Oh, yeah. So and, they confiscate uh, a van and head back to the house. Donna's going to beat them there because she has to take a shower. Right. Plus, she's got right. the airplane. You know, they got to follow the roads. Yeah. So they're all in the van driving back and they're recounting the events of the fight when Edie remembers that nobody actually got Seth. <laughs> I love this part, man. Now oh. we find out why there's a motorcycle in the back of the van. It's so Rowdy can ride the pop out of the back of the van on the motorcycle and take off down the road to try to get Seth. They don't show him start that motorbike up. Nope. It just he just goes. The girl's like, "Well, what about that skeezy guy Seth?" And like they like Scooby Doo look at each other, and then the next thing you know, that door pops the hell off. And then he just like, yeah. <laughs> and, and that then, motorcycle is smoking. Oh my dude, God. Yeah. There's so much smoke pouring out of that thing. I w- can't imagine what it was like in that van. Yeah. That's a great scene though. That whole stunt is fucking awesome. Yeah. In, in fact, from that point, from that on the point of events are so surreal and dreamlike. You might think you're losing your mind from that point on. Yeah. From this point in the movie, do not watch high. 
<laughs> or don't leave the room. Like, just stay in the room, drink some water. But yeah, this movie has <laughs> got the, the, the best, like, I guess, final act. So we see Donna back at her house, and she's cleaning up. Shower. And Seth jumps her, demanding the rest of the diamonds. Well, she gets away from him, and she hides in the closet. So, of course, when somebody's in a closet with a flimsy little louvered door, you, you do the first thing that comes to mind. You start stabbing the door Norman Bates style. Oh, man, you know, uh, this is all Mike Myers. Like, this whole fight scene is just almost ripped scene for scene from Mike Myers. Uh, the, the first Halloween movie, punches through the door. Instead of a coat hanger, this chick, she's packing. Ta-da, ta-da. She's got a harpoon gun. A fucking harpoon gun. He gets through the door. She shoots him in the shoulder with a harpoon gun. He goes down, and she mushes his face. So, of course, he's done, right? And that, that became her mainstay weapon throughout the series was a harpoon gun. Okay. Yeah, she appeared on the movie covers holding it and shit. But, yeah, she totally shot him in the thing. She got out. Fight yep. over, right? Yeah. She goes to get some ice to cool herself off. But he's not dead. He gets up Help. and he breaks off the harpoon and he goes after Donna again. They fight over the knife and she gets cut pretty badly, but she stabs him in the stomach in the process. He's down for time number two. He's bleeding all over the floor. Yeah. Gotta be dead now. Totally dead. So she goes into the bathroom to try to clean up and she's using some tissues to wipe the blood off her hand and she drops yeah. them in the toilet. She flushes the toilet and the toilet explodes. Explosion. With the snake, with the snake coming right up out with fog machine and disco lights. I love that. It looks like they exploded <laughs> and opened a portal to hell. Like, yeah, it, it does. Smoking the light really sets that off. And she screams and jumps out of the, the tub and immediately like through the door. And, and she Mike, sees Seth laying in the floor. I think she realizes he still might not be dead. And yeah, she like, goes and hides behind her bed. She's closed the door to the bathroom. Yeah. Inside the bathroom, the snake sees his reflection in the mirror. So he starts attacking his reflection. Like headbanging it. It's like yeah. Twin Peaks. Weird. Yeah, he shatters the mirror with his head. Seth comes to again, and he hears the noise in the bathroom, so he assumes Donna's in there. Yeah. He opens up the bathroom door, and out comes the snake straight for his throat. It, it bites him in the face? Yeah. It bites him right where she shot him in the face, like two days ago. It's yeah. so crazy. It's like, he's walking around like a zombie, too. He, like, he hears the snake, and he's just like, Frankenstein walks, right? And then, like, bam, snake springboards into his face. And then, then he goes down, and it, you're just like, what the fuck? And then the snake starts tunneling for Donna. It starts, like, slithering towards her. Right. But he's not going to get her because crashing through the door on a motorcycle, here comes Rowdy to the rescue. Donna has got a couple shots off at this snake, but she keeps shooting it in the fangs, and the fangs are bulletproof. You can't stop the snake with bullets. That's okay. Rowdy's here now, and he's got his rocket launcher. So he shoots the... That's infinite ammo on it. 
Yeah, it had, I mean, it had like four tubes and uh, apparently several of them had a couple of shots. It's like when you beat Resident Evil 4 for like the 50th time or something, they just give you infinite ammo. It's like, you're going to have fun with a rocket launcher, aren't you? Like, yep. Yep. And uh, yeah. He shoots oh. the snake's head off with the rocket launcher. Now, that's like a fucking joke, right? The The snake is laying there on the ground. His head up in the air. Yeah. Out he shoots it with this rocket launcher head on and just takes yeah. the head off. Yeah. Still up in the air, just no head. It pops the head <laughs> off like a, like a black cat or something or like a pinata. And, and you're, some... he does have a bad joke here. He asks where the snake came from. And Donna says, would you believe up out of the toilet? And he says, wow, just when it, you thought it was safe to take a pee. Yeah. Oh, God, he's corny. They're still not done. Nope. They're still not done. There's one last loose end to wrap up. We got to take out Mr. Chang. So they're all in the Scooby-Doo van headed over. There's a lot of Scooby-Doo references in this movie. Now, this this time they're in the limo because it's the big boss fight. That's so, right. They're, they are in the limousine. They all get dressed up, too. They all, like, put, like, on, like, you know, most of the right. girls have sleeves on, you know, the and, uh, you know, the guys actually have shirts on and shit. Everybody's like, right. it's their church clothes or something. Well, I mean, they're headed to somebody with a penthouse office, so you've got to be rich to get up there. So we're going to put on the right. show. Got looked apart. Right. Donna's trying to hide brass knuckles in a bandage as she wraps gauze around her. Yeah, the injury from the uh, Seth. Yeah. Up in the penthouse, Mr. Chang has a bodyguard who likes nothing more than killing people. Apparently, he's just ruthless. Um, he is big and swole. That's a big dude. He is a big guy. And he's going he's gonna to run Rowdy and Donna off once they bust into the office, except, well, Donna's got her nunchucks, which means this guy's just going to stand there and let them beat him down. Not beat, man. They slap him with these nunchucks. First, Rowdy like slaps him in the face, holding them like, together. Like, you know, right. like a, a couple of pairs of like chopsticks and just slaps them in the face. And then he hands them to Donna and then Donna like slaps him in the stomach and in the face as well. He yeah. Totally lays this guy out. Right. They just lay him out. Mr. Chang, on the other hand, and, and that's a th another thing about that fight. On their way into this office building, Rowdy made a big show of putting a gun in his belt. But he's not going to use it. Instead, we're going to use nunchuck. And that's because once they beat the bodyguard down, then the guns come out. That's right. He's got like a little, I don't know, it kind of looks like James Bond's gun. Small. It's like a little compact concealed a thing. A little Ruger, yeah. Yeah, and then Donna pulls out like a hand cannon. <laughs> and she's about to blow a hole in this uh, dude. He sticks up and he pulls out a katana and then he they pulls just, out like, a katana that he instead of swinging it like a sword, like any yeah. reasonable person would do, he throws it like a dart at them. Yeah, he says something about a pig's ass. <laughs> he, and it, he said, "Brought the wrong weapon. You brought a knife to a gunfight. Now you're coming with us in a pig's ass." Did he just <laughs> say a pig's ass? I think he did. I think he said pig's ass. And then that's when they pull the guns out and shoot him like uh, lethal yeah. weapons. Yeah, Donna shoots him in the stomach, blows him out the window. He falls from the penthouse to the sidewalk. 
and now we're partying on Rowdy's yacht. No, man, it falls right at their feet. Like, they're just hanging out, like, standing around, like, when they're going to get out of here? What's taking so long and shit? And right. it's like, splat, screams, and then, bam, back at the Malibu Express, back to Pope. Yep. Back drinks. Everybody's happy. Everybody's got a drink. Donna suggests that they go find the rest of the diamonds and turn them into the agency. But Taryn's got another plan. Since she's a civilian and she has the diamonds, she doesn't have to turn them in, but she can certainly spread the money around among her friends. Any roll credits, everybody laughs, freeze frame. And that's the end of the show. That was a good movie. That was a good movie. It was certainly entertaining. Yeah, it, they are like that. It, it's it's kind of like a weird family action movie with breasts. Because if you cut out all the boobs, it kind of reminds me of like, uh, uh, what was it? It had Tanya Robertson. It's like Sheena the Jungle or something. And it had like, you know, it had a couple boobs in it. But like, they still played it on the Disney Channel. I remember growing up, you know, 12, 13, and that'd be on like Disney late at night. So like, yeah, if you cut the nudity in this, it's an actual solid movie action thing i grew up watching them on cinemax late at night like all of them growing up and i, I like them i like the dude i uh, did a lot of good work you know charities and stuff and uh you know good movies yeah it was fun plus that snake thing man dude that snake thing was awful. <laughs> that snake was the funniest thing it was such a cheesy slobbery sweaty snake yeah it looks like something uh like a horror host like they'll show like crappy movies late at night. It looks yeah. like sidekick. That's what I would want. I mean, it wasn't a horrible prop. It was certainly not not yeah, your top shelf prop making, but it wasn't cheap. There went a lot of money into that thing. It wasn't that movie. Uh, what was it uh, Python or whatever? Yeah, this was this was more than just some plastic bags stuffed with old rags and a layer of latex over it. Yeah. Like, they wanted to give it an X rating when it came out. Like, Jack Valenti of the NPAA hated this, hated Andy and all he wanted to do. And when they had the trailer for it, they su submitted the trailer. And the thing where uh, the skateboarder yeah, and skateboarder goes up in the air and the, uh, the doll goes up in the air, like, no, you're getting an X rating. You can't have that. Yeah, they said that, they said that the doll looked too real. And so yeah, it was like, going to be a an X rating. Yeah. But uh, that snake looked way more real than that doll. Yeah, it was a good movie. Did I suggest that or did you suggest that? I don't remember. No, this was yours. Okay. I can't remember. I've seen so many damn movies, man. <laughs> All right. That's a podcast. Awesome. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We had a lot of fun making it. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you hear us. You can follow CDF Pod on Facebook and Instagram or at CDF underscore pod on Twitter. You can also visit our website at CDFPod.com. And don't forget you can help us make donations to film schools all across the country by going to Patreon.com slash CDFPod. Join us next time as we explore another movie's so awesome, it probably shouldn't have been made.